this is Cindy Kangas. You're listening to Faces of Manufacturing on the Michigan Business Network, and I'm here with my co-host, Joy Wagner. Hello, Joy. Hi, Cindy. How are you? I'm so good. I'm so inspired and ready for today because we're going to talk about something that's near and dear to my heart, Rosie the Riveter. I can't wait. I am so excited. So I thought first what we could do is talk a little bit about ourselves and mentors either as children or even as we've gotten older in our work lives. Because it seems like as I've been speaking to people that are affiliated with Rosie the Riveter and original Rosies, there's just this level of inspiration for that next generation and paying it forward. And so I thought you and I could chat. Like, do you have people in your life that really inspired you or helped you get to where you are now in the manufacturing world even? That's a great question. So yes, I think that there's been probably many people and especially in my current profession that I see as mentors and examples of leaders and women business leaders. And in growing up, I think a lot of some teachers, I went into biochemistry was my actual major. So I was big into science and I had a couple of female science teachers. One was a biology and one was chemistry. And I just loved it. I spent as much time with them as I possibly could. I go in at lunch and stay late after. And one of them took me to the cyclotron at MSU. I mean, this was years ago, but it was just amazing. So they were really inspirational smart, you know, leaders with grace, you know, helped mentor me. And then professionally, I've had a great experience when meeting other women that are in leadership and actually some of the manufacturing space that are either representatives in a manufacturing company as female leaders or actually own, you know, businesses that do some of that. So it's pretty encouraging and inspiring to be able to do that. I think we underestimate our influence that we may have, especially as female leaders in other people's lives as examples. I feel like this is twofold for me because one, there have been some male leaders in manufacturing, and we know that there are a lot of men in manufacturing that have allowed me to have a voice, that have put me in the position where I am as a leader, and they've listened to me, and they've made me feel valued, like I have an opinion, and they've done a lot of coaching, teaching, and mentoring. So I want to give a shout out to the men that allow the women in not only, you know, as their contemporaries and counterparts, but even as CEOs and as their leaders. And then I've been heavily influenced by a lot of the women that I've seen in manufacturing, both like, I guess, from entry level all the way up to CEO and ownership level, because a lot of them are working in places where maybe they're the only woman mm-hmm. and they're these, you know, small, young ladies doing the work next to this, Mm -hmm. you know, large man lifting this heavy equipment and they're making it happen. And then they're also sitting at boardroom tables and they're engineers and they're coming up with ideas on how to make manufacturing better. And, Mm -hmm. you know, as industry 4.0 grows, I hope that the women have a strong voice in that. And I also hope that those of us that are in manufacturing and in STEM overall, can continue Mm -hmm. to nurture that talent pipeline because there are so many young ladies coming behind us. And I really would love for them to consider manufacturing as a job. Absolutely. And getting them more active in the skilled trades. 
I know where I worked previously, they had a program where they had young people coming in, even through high school, getting hired in and then getting into an apprenticeship program and the skilled trades instruments control specialists that are working around learning engineering type, you know, science-based things and still getting education, but getting a great job, you know, right out of school where, you know, they're doing a lot of hands-on manufacturing type work. So it's really great if our companies and those organizations are able to like promote and give opportunity to young people and young women, especially. And I think for you and I, as moms of daughters, our daughters are of the same age, actually. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, we always talk to them about being strong and surrounding yourself with people that will lift you up and teach you something and make you better humans. So I'm excited. I'm really inspired by what's going to happen on our podcast today. And I really hope that the speakers are able to inspire our listeners today. This has been Cindy Kangas on Faces of Manufacturing on the Michigan Business Network. Stay tuned. Sonair has been advancing communities and providing opportunities for people in Michigan for more than 25 years. Through lending, investments, and the creation of homes and jobs, Sonair has made a combined $7 billion impact on the communities they serve. Learn more at www.sonair.com. This is Cindy Kangas. You're listening to Faces of Manufacturing on the Michigan Business Network. And today we're going to be talking about something very special. We are going to be talking about Rosie the Riveter. And our first guest is Jeanette Gutierrez. She is the president of the Michigan Willow Run chapter of the American Rosie the Riveter Association. Jeanette, did I get that right? Absolutely. And (laughs) also we call it ARA for short. Wonderful. So tell me a little bit about your organization. What do you do? Well, we're an all-volunteer nonprofit group. We're national. We were founded in 1998 by the World War II Rosies themselves to provide fellowship for themselves, their families, and anyone who also loves Rosie, and to preserve their legacy for future generations. Because back in the 90s, Rosie wasn't quite as well known, and we wanted to make sure that everyone continued to know about what she did during World War II. Can you tell me about the Living Rosies, how many you know, and how important it is for them to continue this legacy? Well, first of all, most of them were really very modest and surprised when interest started to build in them. They would say, oh, I wasn't really a Rosie. But yeah, they were. (laughs) Any woman who, you know, worked on the home front to further the war effort, we considered to be a Rosie the Riveter. And they were very modest about it. One thing that I heard so many times was I didn't do anything that everybody else didn't do. You know, everybody else did it. It wasn't really a big deal. But they're kind of used to it by now, you know, that people do consider it a big deal that one, they were instrumental in winning World War II. We couldn't have won World War II without these women going to work. And also they opened doors for women, even though the doors didn't fully swing open until a couple decades later. It was Rosie the Riveter and the work she did that proved that we can do it. Yes. And tell me, for those that don't know, what women were doing in factories back then? 
Well, the government knew right away that we would need to get women into the factories. You know, they were ramping up their production even prior to Pearl Harbor and our involvement in World War II. And when we did get involved with the Pearl Harbor attack, they knew that men would be drawn off into the war. And they knew that women would have to fill the jobs in the factories in order to produce all the guns, planes, and tanks that we would need to win that war. So it started very early, you know, recruiting women to work in the war production plants. And in fact, it was a vast propaganda campaign led by the government to let women know that, you know, they were needed and that this was work that they could do as women and to sell the nation on the idea that women needed to leave behind the kitchen in the home and go to work. Yeah. Tell me about Willow Run and what's happened to Willow Run. Well, Willow Run actually was being built before the Pearl Harbor attack because Roosevelt knew that we would inevitably get involved in this war. And plus, we were supplying our allies overseas, Britain. The Battle of Britain was raging, and we were supplying them with aircraft and guns and tanks. And so Willow Run, ground was broken for it in April of 1940. So we were on the case well before Pearl Harbor happened. So Willow Run was built in record time and it was built in 18 months. It was the largest factory under one roof in the world at the time. It was three and a half million square feet. It had a double assembly line. Each assembly line was a half mile long for a mile total of assembly line. And it built B-24 bombers. And at peak production, which happened a couple years after it was built, I think it was 1943 was peak production, or 1944, Will Run was cranking out one B-24 bomber every hour. Wow. And tell me what happened to Willow Run because they wanted to tear it down from what I hear. Yeah. When General Motors left off producing transmissions at Willow Run, the property was up for sale and it was kind of a white elephant is an understatement, you know, a factory that huge. By then it would have grown to five and a half million square feet. So the Yankee Air Museum had the idea of preserving a portion of it to serve the museum's purposes for storage of airplanes, and they succeeded in that. Wow, that's amazing. That is just amazing. Thank you so much for sharing this history with us. We are going to be back and chat more with you in just a moment. This has been Cindy Kangas on Faces of Manufacturing on Michigan Business Network. rates for a home equity line of credit? Ask for LaughQ. Stop in today or go to LaughQ.com slash home equity. LaughQ, your credit union for life. Hello, this is Joy Wagner. 
I'm on Faces of Manufacturing on Michigan Business Network. I'm welcoming Liz Zajac today. Hi, Liz. Hello. (laughs) Thank you so much for being with us. We have an exciting conversation about Rosie the Riveter, and you're a rosebud, and your grandmother was one of the original Rosies, so we would love to hear the story if you can go ahead (laughs) and share. So my grandma, Eleanor, was born in the Thumb area. And she had relatives who lived in Detroit. Her cousin Florence worked at the Briggs-Connor manufacturing plant. And she, Granny, wanted to get off of the farm. Didn't really like doing farm work and wanted to do something else. So she moved in with her cousins and got a job at Briggs-Connor. She was there from 42 until after she got married in 45. And she held a couple of different positions. So she was at one point, she started out as a riveter. So she would rivet the parts onto the wings of the planes. She did that for a while. And then she drilled and burred machines. So she would drill out the parts and then deburr them to make it smooth. Her third job, she did repair work. So if there were rejected pieces or pieces that weren't quite up to standards, she would remove the rivets take them to be inspected, and then re-rivet them using salvage materials. She spent three years doing that stuff. And then after VJ Day, she switched positions again, and she was a buck welder. And the buck welder she was very proud of because you had to be very skinny to fit on the inside of the wing where the bucker worked. And so... She remembered doing a couple different things. One of the biggest parts was the secrecy and the privacy surrounding her positions and the positions of all Rosies. There were black claws covering the windows. The women were not allowed to talk about their positions. And she went back to the farm one weekend and got a ride back to work with her male cousin And they went in to his part of the factory because they weren't even allowed to wander around the factory. You went into your entrance and your entrance only. So Granny walked in with her cousin and she was stopped by armed military personnel who demanded to see her identification and then escorted her to her section where she worked. And there was no photography allowed, but some of that changed after VJ Day. So we do have some pictures of her and her department celebrating Thanksgiving and then celebrating a bridal shower, I believe it was. And the bridal shower was one of her coworkers was marrying her male supervisor. And there were some Mm -hmm. men who worked there. They were typically men who were not otherwise fit for military service. There were, I think, three men who worked in her department. So what are some stories that your grandmother have shared about working there? Anything interesting to share? (laughs) How much she hated the steel-toed boots. (laughs) Ah. (laughs) So I asked her, we participated in the Rosie World Record event in 2017, and I asked her if the rosy outfit, the blue overalls, boots, bandana was really what she wore. And she said, yes, although they didn't have a strict uniform, they did have to wear a bandana to keep their hair up because of the machinery. 
they had to wear dark colored slacks. They could wear whatever top they wanted, I guess, and steel toed boots, which she hated. And so then again, after VJ Day, some of that kind of relaxed, but she still had to wear the boots. And she's always hated big, heavy boots because of that. <laughs> All right. Well, I appreciate you sharing. We'll return with you in a few minutes. This has been Joy Wagner with Liz Zajac on Faces of Manufacturing on Michigan Business Network. Capital Area Michigan Works can assist you with your hiring needs, all at no cost. From large-scale hiring assistance to locating the right candidate for a hard-to-fill position, Capital Area Michigan Works is your resource. We offer creative solutions from career fairs to on-the-job training grants and scholarship programs to make sure you have the best and brightest employees. Visit our website at www.camw.org to learn more about how we can assist your business with its hiring needs. Hey, this is Joy Wagner returning with Liz Bayjack, talking about her grandmother, Eleanor, sharing some stories about her being one of the original Rosies. So Liz, if you don't mind kind of talking a little bit more about your grandmother, I believe that she was going to be honored. And if you want to tell a little bit about that story as well. Yes. So the Library of Congress had wanted to preserve the stories of World War II vets and Rosies. And several years ago, they put out a call wanting original Rosies and other workers to record their stories to be preserved. And we applied for Granny, and she had gotten approved, and they were going to record her story. Unfortunately, between the time that they sent us, you know, the invitation to record and when they finally got it set up, she was diagnosed with cancer and passed away at 96 years old. But between those two times was also the world record most Rosies in one place event. And that was held in Ypsilanti in 2017. And it was incredible. We submitted Granny as an original Rosie. And my sister and I coordinated an event where we surprised her with over 20 family members coming from out of state, people from both sides of the family coming, and it was amazing. I mean, everything about the day (laughs) was to honor her and all the other Rosies. I mean, from the time we pulled up, there were people waving flags and banners and escorting her and cheering for her. Oh, wow. She signed autographs and was interviewed for newspaper articles. And it was just amazing. I mean, there were over 2,000 people, I believe, that were there. And we did set the world record. And Granny asked me to be her escort for the honor parade into the stadium. And so we were back in an area with all the other original Rosies, and she was just in awe of 
the other women who were there and they shared their stories. She found somebody else who had worked at Briggs Connor and there was a professional photographer there. So she had her pictures taken and then she kind of got sassy with him. (laughs) And so he took a couple more pictures, but I mean, it was amazing. And then when it was time for us to enter, there were, you know, thousands of people cheering and congratulating her and thanking her for her service. We didn't know it then, but she already had cancer and she passed three months later from the cancer. But she said that she felt like a queen for the day when she was at the event. That's awesome. That sounds amazing. What a wonderful story. So it sounds like you have some memorabilia, like her original paycheck and things like that. Anything you want to share about those things? (laughs) Yes. So (laughs) Granny, she always kept a lot of stuff. So (laughs) on her marriage certificate, her occupation was listed as Riveter, which she was always extremely proud of. And she had one of her last paychecks and then one of my grandpa's paychecks from right after he got out of the war in 1945. And her weekly paycheck, and she said, well, I don't know how they could have gone out of business. I haven't cashed this paycheck yet. It was for 16 cents. (laughs) That's great. Yep. (laughs) So, and then I think Gramps's was 19 cents. Oh, wonderful. They, you know, were making it. (laughs) Yeah, that sounds amazing. Is there anything you think you want to share? I know we're getting close to time about anything she'd want to like vocalize today for us. She was just always extremely proud of her work serving the country and being a woman doing something more, you know, out of the house and really helping to impact society. And, you know, I just wanted to be able to share her legacy It's awesome. Thank you so much for doing that and being with us today. It's been a remarkable, amazing story, and I know it's touched me, so I'm sure it'll touch all of our listeners. So thank you again, Liz. And this is Joy Wagner on Faces of Manufacturing on Michigan Business Network. Looking for office furniture on a budget? Stop by the office outlet at 516 North Larch in downtown Lansing and save. Open Monday through Friday, 8 to 5. The office outlet has a huge selection of new and used office furniture from brand name manufacturers, all at discounted prices. Save 50 to 90% on used seating, desks, files, and more. The office outlet is your destination for office furniture on a budget. Visit us online at officeoutletyes.com. Cindy Kangas on Faces of Manufacturing on the Michigan Business Network. Today I'm back with Jeanette Gutierrez. She's the president of the Michigan Willow Run chapter of the American Rosie the Riveter Association. Jeanette, welcome back. Hey, Cindy. That was wonderful. Liz's story of her grandmother. It is wonderful. And you know, I was thinking you probably hear stories like that on a regular basis. 
I do. I hear a lot of them. The comment about the boots is fun because I remember as a kid, you know, I come from the previous century and growing up mid-century, I remember a common insult was, your mother wears army boots. (laughs) (laughs) So I can imagine like how these women just did not want to put on such ugly footwear. And then I remember in the 90s when we first started wearing Doc Martens for the first time, they've come around again and are in style. I mean, what a shock it must have been for that older generation to see us younger gals proudly wearing army boots and calling it fashion. When you take your group out, tell me some of the things that you do. You and I have been working on an event that's coming up in March, but I would really love to hear, you know, a little bit about the chants that you do and what happens when the general public comes in contact with some of the Rosies when you take them out to events. Well, we love taking them out because it makes something that seems to people to be way far back in history. It makes it very real to meet Rosie the Riveters from World War II and World War II veterans. It's an incredible experience. I know it always is for me to meet a new Rosie or a new veteran and ask them questions. They're all very advanced in years. I don't think I have a single one anymore less than 95 years old and our oldest is 101. So it's quite an undertaking when we do take them out. So we try to make sure to provide fellowship for them because first of all they've become friends and they love being with each other. And they also love talking to people. They love it when people approach them and ask them questions. And they've come to take their role as ambassadors for their time in history and their generation a bit seriously, you know, and they like to educate. Oh, and they're such wonderful people. I think anyone who lives to be into their 90s is doing something right with respect to their approach to life and their spirit. And they have the grace and dignity of their years. And it's just wonderful to be in their presence. Wow. I mean, it's so inspiring. And the legacy, these are our foremothers, honestly. I'm wondering if there are people who are parents right now that want to share information about Rosie with their children. What is a great way for us to start? Or even if we don't know a lot ourselves, because I think everyone's maybe seen a Rosie poster or they might be familiar with the imagery, but they may not know the story behind it. What's a good way for us to learn more about who the Rosies were? Well, there are several YouTube clips that you can find if you Google Rosie the Riveters. There's one that was made by our organization's founder, Dr. Fran Carter. So if you're into video, that would be a way to do it. If you're into books and reading, which is a wonderful thing. Our organization has a book for the early years, R is for Rosie. So you can look that up and order it from us online. For a slightly older age group, like say, you know, six to 12, there's the Rosie Revere Engineer book by Andrea Beattie, which is a wonderful book. It's a story. And then for a little older age group, you know, a junior high school girl, perhaps, or boy who needs to write a report about Rosie the Riveter or really wants to learn more, there is a book. The author is Pamela Dell. So if you Google that, Pamela Dell, Rosie the Riveter, that book will come up. And that's where it starts to get full of facts and figures. Oh, and also dialing back a little to the previous age group, there's a beautifully illustrated book by a Detroit author, Bailey Sisoy, called Rosie Detroit, Her Story. And that, again, is full of facts and figures and it's specific to our area. 
So I always feel like in Michigan, manufacturing is in our DNA. And I go into factories on a regular basis, but I don't see a lot of women. They're starting to come back into the factories. Do you have any words for them about how they can do it just like their foremothers did before we go? Oh, absolutely. I mean, this is just a fantastic legacy. When Rosie went into the factory, she wasn't exactly welcome at first. You know, go home to mama, one was told. But the men very quickly realized that these girls and women could do it. And they realized it to themselves. And if you ask them to reflect on their experience, they will tell you how proud they were to help their country by going into the factories. And although it was not their first objective at the time to prove that women could do it, they came away with that feeling that, hey, I can do anything. And if you ask them, they will tell you that it gave them confidence for you know, whether they went stayed in the factory or stayed in the manufacturing world, which many of them did, or whether they went into another field or even if they went home to raise a family, that knowledge that they had that strength to do what they didn't think they could do served them well in life. And it's something they're really proud of. So let's honor them and represent them by continuing to do those things. Jeanette, it's been so lovely to have you on. This has been Cindy Kangas, Faces of Manufacturing on the Michigan Business Network. Physicians Health Plan is local. For 35 years, we've been a part of your community, and we take pride in helping you get the coverage, care, and personal service you deserve. Go to phpmichigan.com for more information. We're the health plan that works for you. This is Cindy Kangas on Faces of Manufacturing on the Michigan Business Network, back with my co-host, Joy Wagner. Joy, that was, I feel like there were some tears there during some of those moments and a lot of inspiration. My heart was beating pretty fast hearing those stories. Yes, great stories. Amazing. Just very inspirational. Yes, plenty of tears and just exciting to be able to hear just how strong these women were and are and trying to continue the legacy of Rosie. It's just a really amazing conversation. Yeah. Now, women in manufacturing started long before the wars. I do want to give a shout out to those women that were working in factories for the past hundred of years. You know, they were working looms and putting things together for quite some time. You know, they were laborers, but I think the modern manufacturing and the modern women in manufacturing that we know, kind of their foremothers are the ones that were the Rosies. They're the ones that kind of brought to light manufacturing. And not only were they doing this job, but they were saving our country. And so it's even that much more special. How can I say this? We were so inspired. Our organization was so inspired by Rosie the Riveter, that we wanted to celebrate Rosie the Riveter Day. So in March, we're going to be hosting an event at the Capitol, and we're going to be bringing in people from across the state. And Jeanette, who we spoke to today from ARA, is going to be bringing some original Rosies with her. And she said, you know, they're going to travel, and a pack of 10 of them will be there. And as she mentioned, they like to sit close together. And they get a little nervous because I can only imagine, you know, they're a little shy when it comes to conversation because 
we enjoy different music and different TV and we have different lives now. And they want to be sure that they can relate and say things that are relatable to us. But I can't wait to just thank them, just to see them and, you know, take their picture and thank them and be sure that we're capturing these stories of these women so that people like Liz aren't feeling like someone missed out on hearing their grandmother's story. That's what hurts my heart because there were so many Rosie's back in the day. And a lot of people never had those conversations with their family members. And then someone dies and then you find a box and you see, oh my gosh, grandma worked in the factory or something. And it was never a conversation and you were never able to pay tribute. I don't know. What do you think about this whole Rosie phenomenon? Yeah, I'm excited about it. I think it is, you know, when we started talking about this, I'm like, I don't know that I know very much. I know the imagery of Rosie, but I didn't really know the details or the impact that it really had. I think it's great that we're recognizing what these women did and how they, you know, kind of paid it forward for all of us to be able to follow and really made an impact. I think the impact, too, that may have made it differently is that they were doing it to serve the country, but they were doing male jobs. Men went, you know, to war and here they are doing their work in these factories where, you know, in other factories previously, there was probably more female type, I guess, rules. Yeah. So the real difference, I think, is setting them apart that really changed the trajectory for women into the future and what they are able and capable of doing in a male dominated world. I mean, that's the reality. You know, the last two companies I've worked at are male dominated and it's because of the work that's being done. It's hard work, right? It is hard work. And it's not necessarily appealing work, depending on what it is. So to think that women would come in and be able to do that when things are in, you know, dire straits and we need the help and it's remarkable. I always love when women come together just in life. I think it's great when women can come together and support each other. But when women in manufacturing come together, there's just something special, something that clicks because it's kind of like a aha moment. Like I'm not the only one, Mm -hmm. first of all, but there's also kind of this, I know what you're going through type thing, or I know how hard it is or good for you. You're hitting that glass ceiling, knocking right through it. You know, there's something very powerful in that. And so I'm so excited to take part in my first Rosie rally. You know, I've got my little bandana ready and I feel like it's going to be amazing to pay tribute to these women that, like you said, we don't know that much about their stories need to be told. Yes, absolutely. I'm very excited about the event coming up as well and just meeting them. And reading the books. like Jeanette gave us a list of books I need to go buy from the library. (laughs) Well, it's just so nice to have that kind of inspiration. Like you had said, we're surrounding ourselves with people that inspire us, you know, in our lives to just, you know, I guess go beyond what we think we're capable of. Mm -hmm. Women, we can do it, right? We can do it. Absolutely. Oh, Joy, it's been great talking to you. This is Sydney (laughs) Gangas, Faces of Manufacturing on Michigan Business Network. 